We're going to share from Luke 2 to kick it off. Luke 2. Amen. I'm just going to read the first few verses here. I'm actually going to read the first 20. <laughs> few is relative. Few is relative. Amen. All right. Insomuch as we have undertaken to compile an account of things accomplished among us. I'm sorry, I started reading one. There we go. Now in those days the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first, ta- first census taken while Quirinus was governor of Syria, and everyone was on their way to register for the census, each in his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is the Christ who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared the angel, um, with, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on the earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into the heaven... The shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see the thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And so they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which they were told by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as had been told to them. Jesus, I need your help. So there's a whole lot going on here. So, so, so Jesus is born and an angel reveals himself to shepherds in the field which is mind-boggling. And if that was not enough, then as the shepherds heard this message, 
all of heaven opens up and they see a multitude. So thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels worshiping the Lord God Almighty right then and there. Like, 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 like I think, Lord, what would it look like if we got to see something like that? Like sometimes we read these stories and we've heard them all of our life that we miss out on what is actually being said in them, right? I mean, and we, we, know, we know what happens or we, we, we know what, hap- what happens that, that Mary was overshadowed by the presence of God and a virgin gets pregnant, right? That is mind-boggling in of itself, right? And then just the beautiful gospel, the simple gospel message that there was no room for him at the end, which is a prophetic picture of people that we don't make room for him in our hearts. And so he has to stay in a dilapidated manger laying in a bed of hay. It's just an incredible, credible picture of what he came to do for us. So, 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 and, and, and it's, and it, it speaks, listen, it speaks, it speaks to just how wonderful of a king he is because he came in a way that no one expected. He came, like everyone that wanted him to come, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but everyone that wanted the king, the Christ to come, wanted a conquering military governmental king and he was born in a lowly as a lowly son of a carpenter of a, of a scandalous marriage he was did not have the best pedigree that was possible he was born in a manger and he was there because there was no room for him and this is who our god is he comes and he makes himself known among men and so when we celebrate this Christmas season, yes, it's about family. Yes, it's about blessing one another and giving gifts. But do not discount the fact that it is about God coming to dwell among men. Amen. Okay. And so, so I want to talk about just really, I'm going to just a, a quick short message this morning. And, and I want to share just about the simplicity of this Christmas narrative because it's quite the simple message. It's and and because I, I I like had this theme running through my mind of how simple of a thing it is and how complicated we make everything. <laughs> it's quite simple. He came to dwell among us because he thought that we were worth it. All right. And so so we say or we say the word says that his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's out of Matthew 123. It says, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us, not God not a God that's out in outer space, not a God that's disinterested in us, not a God that does not care about the happenings of our life. He did not say, let there be, and it was, and it was good, and he went, all right, let's see how this turns out. He got involved in the day-to-day nooks and crannies of our lives. He, he, he got his hands dirty, if you will. A lot of us, we don't like to get our hands dirty, but the Lord rolled up his sleeves and got his hands 
hands dirty because he said, I'm going to be with those people and I'm going to live with those people and I'm going to dwell among those people and they will live their life in a way that actually looks like I live with them, which will be a message to the world around them that says God is among men. He's not in a concrete statue. He's not just in a pithy saying on our money and our coinage. He is with us. Like, like, and he's not bored with us either. I was thinking about this this week. Like, I was talking about a lot. April and I was talking about the way we've lived our life over the last 18 years, almost 18 years of marriage. And, and especially me being a Perkins, we get bored of things. And so we move on. I can't tell you how many hobbies I've had over the last 18 years that we've been married. I mean, I went through the weird cowboy stage, right? I went through that. I went through this other weird preppy stage. Like, I went through all kinds of stuff. I went through a fishing stage. I went through a video game stage. I went through. Like I went through a ride, I went through all these different stages and I'd be like, well, I lost interest. It was right. And typically when I lose interest is right after I've spent a lot of money investing in whatever I'm going to do. And I'm like, I don't want to do it anymore. He's not that way. He doesn't get bored and be like, I'm moving on to greener pastures. I'm moving on to this, that, or the other because I just, I'm tired of looking at them. He's like, no, I'm going to live among them. I'm going to be their, their God and they're going to be my people. You, you, you realize this is what is different about Christianity than all other religions. Is that not, is, is there's lots of gods, lowercase, but there's only one God that decided to live among his people. And there's only one God that said, you know what, I'm going to give my life for them and I'm going to be an atoning sacrifice for them. See, all other religions, they, their gods want something from the people. Greek mythology, I don't want to talk about a lot of this stuff, but the premise of Greek mythology is that the gods are angry and fickle and mean and we on the earth got to do whatever we can to make them happy so they don't zap us with lightning bolts. And our God comes, Our God comes and says, I'm going to live among them and I'm going to give myself to them. Now, they're going to surrender their life to me willingly, not out of fear of being zapped. Not out of fear of torment and hell and damnation, which is a real thing. But they're going to do it because they just are so overwhelmed by the fact that I actually want to be with them. Like, this is the Christmas message that he came and was wrapped in swaddling clothes and of a scandalous birth in the middle of nowhere, in the worst town in the region. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's who our king is. Now, he came as a child so that we can relate to him. This is, I've been pondering this all week. Like, he came as a child. Like, like because, I mean, he's God. I mean, he crockpotted for nine months inside of Mary. <laughs> he, he, seriously, like, like, he could have, he's God. He could have been like, all right, Jesus, go. And Jesus is like, okay. And it's like, poof, there he is, right? <laughs> but he didn't. He comes 
But I mean, like he could have, show, like he didn't start his ministry until he was thirty years old. He could have showed up at thirty years old, like on the scenes, right? Just being like, like, oh, you know, I'm here. <laughs> but he didn't. He came as a child. And I think, again, I think he came as a child so that us as human beings could relate to him. Philippians says that he laid everything aside. So everything that he did on the earth, he did as a man. He's fully God and he was fully man. But every time he healed someone, he did it as a man that was fully engaged with the presence of the Lord. Or he did it as a man who is living in covenant relationship with the Father. He laid all that stuff aside. But he came as a baby child. And again, I think that he did this i think he did it again so that we could relate and again many were praying and fasting and john the baptist guys like uh, 30 years later john the baptist guys were praying and fasting like they were wanting this messiah this this savior to come and they thought he's gonna come as a conquering king and he shows up and here's this baby i think it's a lesson for us too that we want the lord to show up and it never looks like the way that we thought it was going to look like Man, I, how many times has the Lord answered a prayer that, that honestly was borderline offensive to us? And once we got over our fence, we realized that we were much better off for it. Right? He, just, he just, he's like, that's what they want. I'm going to do it this way. It's a lot better anyway. But his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I also think that he came as a child because of what Romans 8 says this, and I'll explain. Romans 8, 29 says, For those he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed unto the image of his Son. We're definitely not Calvinists here. I definitely believe in predestination. And I believe that we are predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ Jesus here on the earth. All right, so, 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 so what, what does this have to do with him being born as a child? I, I actually think it has everything to do with, with this, that Jesus says, let them come to me like a child. Let them come to me as something that's pure. Let them come to me as something that is innocent. Let them come to me with something that's not been defiled. Like that's what he showed up as. And we have been called to be conformed into the image of a son. And, and like I thought, like, I thought like, like when, when I think of being conformed to the image of Christ, I have always thought of Jesus like right here and right now, which I believe is true. But what if we're actually also supposed to be conformed into the image of like that baby laying back there in the arms of a father? that's not disinterested in us. One that we're fully dependent upon Him for absolutely everything. When we're hungry, we cry. <laughs> when we need something to cleanse us or wash us, we cry out and, and someone runs immediately in my house. Someone runs and takes care of every need, right? What if, what if, he came as a child because that's what he wants us to live our lives like of someone that's fully dependent upon someone else. And that someone else is him. 
I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, church, like this is, what he, this is what he wants. Matthew 18, the verse I was kind of alluding to, says this, Truly I say to you, and yet lest you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one, one such as a child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him with a he- to, be, to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. You see, the, the more we walk with Jesus, the more childlike we should become. The, the more dependent upon him we should become. I, I'll, I looked over halfway through worship and, and I saw Michaela over here dancing in the presence of the Lord and I saw little Miss Baylor dancing in the presence of the Lord. And I believe that is a picture of as we grow into childlikeness, if you will, we're not, listen, we are not just, we're not just babes, but we're children that's uninhibited. We're children that's unencumbered by the opinions around us. We are, we are, we are children that, that, you know, we're like, you know what? We're just going to go after it with everything that we have. You see, we phrase it like this. Every kindergartner is an artist. Seriously, you ask every kindergartner, are you, are you an artist? Yes, I'm an artist. I paint the best pictures, right? I mean, they're real humble too, but, but I paint the best. I draw, I do this. I do every kindergartner is an artist. But you know, statistically, by the end of first grade, like it's something like 90-some percent of all those same students that would identify themselves as an artist says that they have no artistic skill whatsoever. Why? Because the world around them tells them that they're not. And so I see these two this morning just flat getting it. And it's cute. I mean, it's cute and it's wonderful. And I love it. But I had the thought, I wonder, and I'm not telling you all need to act a fool. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that when we worship we ought to worship like no one else is in the room other than him. And it looks different. It looks different for all of us. It looks absolutely different for all of us. And yet it looks the same. It looks the same in the sense that we become childlike and get caught up and like, he's amazing. And he is worthy and he is worth it. And I'm going to worship him. I'm going to worship him. I was scrolling through old photos. It was two weeks ago. I was scrolling through old photos because I needed to... Sh- uh, it didn't matter what I was looking for. I was looking for a really funny picture that I had on my phone, and I was wanting to show someone. And I saw a picture of the second time that you all were here in this church. And there's a picture of everyone else is doing this. There's a picture of Tim Cox raising your broken, your bad arm in worship. And everyone else around looks like they drank the pickle juice. And I'm not judging anyone. I'm just saying that there comes a point in time where it doesn't matter what anyone else around us is doing. We've got to worship him like we're little children. And so he came as a child so that we could live with childlike faith and childlike wonder, right? He, and, and listen, this, this childlike wonder, like I, I, I think about the, like 
Childlike wonder is like God really can do anything, right? Those of us with kids, like we used to, when our kids were little, it was like my dad can do this, right? Or my mom can do this. Like you thought that it was impossible for them to fail at absolutely anything. Or our kids used to feel that way about us. And what if we got so enraptured in wonder that we begin to say, you know what? Really nothing is impossible for the Lord. Like, I, I, I just think it's just this beautiful picture. This beautiful, beautiful picture. And so he comes with this child. Now, he also came when he was born it was almost as if that was the wedding proposal. He came. Jesus came to initiate a wedding. And I'll explain it. See, he came. When he came, listen, listen, he could have, again, he could have said, let there be and put everything into motion and just taken his hands off of it and let us be. But because, but because of man's failure and because sin had entered into the world, he says, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to begin to get involved. <coughs> and when he gets involved, he says, I'm not, just going to, I'm not just going to come and snap my fingers like Thanos style and like end everything. I'm going to come and I'm going to get involved with them and I'm going to live and I'm going to move and I'm going to have my being. I'm going to do all these things among this group of people. So that they can willingly surrender to me. And so ever since he came, everything's been set into motion because one day there will be a wedding by a glassy sea that's mingled with fire. I want you to understand that. There will be a consummation. There will be a wedding banquet. There will be the marriage supper of the Lamb. Thank you, Bob. Thank you so much. So he comes, he come to initiate this. And he came to initiate it because we needed him to. Help my voice, Lord. And so for those 30 years and those three years that he walked on the earth, he was wooing his people, and the 2,000 years since his death, his Holy Spirit has been wooing his people. Like, I, I don't know, like those of us that are married, like, I remember when I was trying to impress my future wife. Right? I, every, every decision I made was with her in mind. How I looked, how I talked, how I acted, how I dressed. I even started wearing cologne when I was trying to impress her because I wanted to smell good. And then I realized that she didn't like what I was wearing and so I went and bought what she wanted me to wear. But everything was designed to woo. See, Jesus, everything that He is doing right now is designed to woo you. I want you to understand that. Like, he's holy and he's other, but he's also inviting you into courtship. Right. 
That's what our time on the earth is, is courtship. Because one day He will return and He will establish His kingdom here on the earth and establish His rule and reign. And there will be that wedding and we will be part of it because He is our husband and we will be His bride. I want to make no qualms about it. That is what He came to establish and He's looking for a people. He's looking for a bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And so when you're sitting, when you've been in a church service and your heart starts beating out of your chest and you don't know why and you can't even explain what you're feeling, you just believe it's God in the room. He's wooing you. When you're in your car and you turn on a worship song and you start crying uncontrollably and you don't know why you're crying, it's because He's wooing you. It's when you look outside and you see a sunset and you get overwhelmed and you're not even sure why you're overwhelmed or getting emotional, it's because He's wooing you. True story. I, and like this, I'm not trying to make fun or be silly or whatever, but I was listening to Chris Stapleton the other day and I got really overwhelmed and I started bawling like a baby and it's because he was wooing me in that moment you under i want you to understand oh, i'm sorry well, listen you can the lord speaks through all different avenues i'm just convinced of it you see he woos his bride because he wants a bride that never leaves him he wants a bride that's fully devoted to him. He wants a bride that says, I belong to my beloved and my beloved belongs to me. Like that is what he's looking for. It's, it's Song of Songs 1-4. It's, it's where we say, draw us after you and let us run together. Like he's looking for this kind of a bride. And so everything he does. So even in the New Testament when he was living and, and he started off as a baby and then he became a man and, and he turned water into wine and he healed lepers. He cast out... He did all these things. Why? To woo his bride. He didn't once say, I'm king. You need to follow me. You need to surrender or die. Like He didn't say that. He didn't come as that conquering king. He came as a servant. He came wearing a towel. And he's so amazing that when the religious spirit would come and the religious spirit would be like, you know what, we just caught this woman in adultery. But rather than casting stones at her, he gets down with her on her level. And he starts writing something in the dirt. We could speculate what that is. He starts writing in the dirt. And he says, you without sin, you cast the first stone. Like he gets down on the muck and the mire and the yuckiness that no king has any business doing whatsoever. And yet he does. You see, Christmas Christmas is this initiation of this courtship. He woos us with his love, his kindness, his grace, his mercy. And I think right now he's just waiting on his bride to walk down the aisle. Last point. Union has always been his plan. His plan. 
Union has always been God's plan. That's why we, we, like, we don't talk, I, I, let me rephrase it. We allude to the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, three persons that exist in perfect union with one another to such a degree that they're indistinguishable. Same person, because it's this. And see, in the beginning, we were walking in that with him in the garden. That's why the, ver the, the verse out of Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve were, the Lord came to walk with them in the cool of the day. Sin comes in, enters the earth, and then we have this God that says, I want to get that back. And so Jesus says, I'll go because before the foundations of the world, the lamb was slain, meaning he made his mind up to go ahead and say, I'm going to I'm going to lay everything aside and live among these people because one day there's going to be a wedding. One day there's going to be this perfect union. It's been his plan from the get go. It's not about him being like Jesus wasn't bored in heaven. But like, well, I've been existing up here with all these angels singing forever well before time ever existed i've been up here with these guys but i'm bored i'm just going to go live for 33 years on the earth like that's not what he did <laughs> it's like he decided he said you know what i want to restore that with them because that's been the point from the beginning christmas is more than just the birth of a child christmas is the invitation into union with christ jesus that's why in John 15, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, and apart from me he can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away, and the branch dries up. And they gather them and cast them in the fire, and they are burned. And if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified in this, that they or that you might bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples, just as the Father has loved me. I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Joy is a product of abiding. That's the invitation. Yeah, I've been thinking all day, all week, like how do you how do you preach a message that people have heard all of their life and do it in a way that's new and it's fresh? Or do it in a way that's creative so that people respond to the message. Like I I don't even know how to do that. 
all I know to do is just tell you that we have a God that decided to lay everything aside and be born as a baby. All I know is that we have a God that decided that I'm going to live among my people. I'm not going to live up on a temple away from them. I'm actually going to dwell among them. And we know because of the Holy Spirit that he's decided to dwell in us. If someone would mind just hitting the lights, just in the room, leave these ones on. Go ahead, Jeremy, you know which ones they are. And so, the invitation's here. Maybe, you know, it's, and it's, a, it's a hard time of the year for many. There's a lot of busyness that goes on. There's a lot of things that happen. But maybe the simple invitation is just this. I want to come into the revelation that he really is Emmanuel, God with us or God with me. And I want to accept the invitation to begin to walk in this courtship with him because one day there will be that wedding. And when you walk with people, when you get married or in get, like you start learning all these aspects about them, It's like the Jesus I know today is very, he's not different than the Jesus I met almost 14 years ago. It's the same Jesus. I just know more of his character and nature than I did then. The girl I fell in love with 18 years ago, 19 years ago, it's the same girl. But I've spent the past 19 years getting to know her. So I just want to give a simple invitation this morning and I'm going to kind of do a few other things too today, but I just want to give a simple invitation. Do you want to know Emmanuel, God with you? You don't have to have it all figured out. You just need to say yes to whatever that is. And the Holy Spirit, he's the teacher. He'll guide you and lead you into all truth. He'll teach you how to discover more of his character and his heart and his nature. Maybe you, you've done that. And I look around the room. Most of y'all have given your life to Jesus. But maybe it's like, you know what? We're, we're coming. Let me say this. Like, how many understand that there's probably not going to be much difference between December 31st, 2020 and January 1st, 2021? It's a day on the calendar. But you know what can be different is your perspective of this last year and how you're going to live this next year. Seriously, there's no difference. The Rona is probably still going to be here. Right? 
a lot of us are going to have the same family issues, the same friend issues, the same financial stuff. Like it's, it's not going to be any different between those two days. What can be different is you covenanting and deciding, I'm going to walk with Jesus this year. And when things get hard and I get squeezed, I'm not going to change. I'm, I'm not going to shrink back this year. I'm going to press in. I'm going to give myself to seeking his face. I'm going to give myself to hosting his presence in my day-to-day life, whatever that looks like. I'm going to give myself to forgiving people. I'm going to give myself to just becoming like a child. I'm going to give myself to a lifestyle of of lowness, of, of, of being humble, whatever that looks like. I'm going to give myself to this, to knowing that wherever I am, he is with me. So maybe that's the call this morning with a church full of people that have professed their faith in him over the last few weeks, months, or years. So if that's you, Say, you know what, I, I just I want to go deeper into this. God is with me. I'm just gonna ask you to make a public declaration by just standing up this morning. You have to come forward, but that's you. Praise the Lord, Ed. If there's anyone else, you just want to respond and say, you know what, I'm I'm gonna wanna live. Praise the Lord. I want more of him this year than I've ever had in my life. Praise the Lord, sweetheart. If you say, you know what, I'm going to live my life this year in the hopes that I grow in greater intimacy and knowledge of who he is this year because I'm coming to the understanding that he, hasn't, he is never going to leave me and he's never going to forsake me. Imagine I just want you to respond. Maybe you've got it all figured out. I don't know. Maybe you want to live your life and say, you know what? A lot of us live our life and we think about him once a day or we have thought about him once a week when we pull into this parking lot. And I think he's just inviting us into more this year. In a second, I'm just going to take time and pray and minister. If you need to respond, I, I just want you to. And this isn't for my own ego. I can assure you that. sweetheart you know I have this picture in my mind of you know there's those kids that want to fight and facing a bully or whatever and the kid kind of bows up the kid bows up and the bully takes off and runs 
And when a kid turns around, he sees dad standing right behind him. And realize it wasn't the kid that he was afraid of, but it was dad behind. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you because you're calling us deeper and you're calling us to live into this reality that you are with us. You're calling us to live into the reality that you are with us. You're calling us to childlike faith and wonder again. You're calling us to a life of simplicity again, Jesus. You're calling us into life union with you, Lord. I'm so thankful that you're not far away and that you're not far off. I'd pray, Lord, that over the upcoming days that we don't get so busy. And I don't want to sound like a cliche preacher, but I, I, I pray that you help us not to get so busy that we forget what we're celebrating to begin with. I would pray, Lord, that you take us deeper into this revelation of just how much you care for your children, Lord. I would pray, God, that no more feeling like we're not worthy or worth it I would pray, Lord, no more orphan mentalities and mind, uh, mindsets, but I would pray, Lord, that we would come to the revelation of just how much you did for us when you laid everything aside and decided to be born, <laughs> to be born among men, to, to, to live inside a woman's womb for, for nine months and then to go through that process of being birthed and that process of being nurtured and coddled and cared for and that time where you were vulnerable and that time where you were helpless. I pray that you help us to live our lives like that this upcoming year, Jesus. And so, Lord, I, I just love you. I'm going to put you down, sweetheart. I just love you. Bless you, Dad. I would pray that this reality becomes more than a once-a-year message that we hear, Lord. I would pray that this reality becomes the reality of our day-to-day -day lives, of a God that dwells among His people. And I pray you just help us respond correctly, Jesus. Hmm. So, Lord, I love you, and I bless you, Jesus. I bless you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the River City Hope Church podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on social media. For ways to give and more information, go to hopeforrivercity.com.